Yep, yep. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Lars Resort. The third, third episode in a week. What is going on? Well, of course, you know the answer uh, to what is going on. It is the week before the Premier League kicks off. Uh, I, we're we're kind of back in the swing of things. Feels good, feels good. Um, this is going to be a very sort of short addendum. Well, I say it's going to be short. We know how that usually goes, but the intention is for it to be a bit short. Just quick and breezy. Um, having had the big... Um, preview chat with our good friend Peter uh, thanks to Peter yet again for helping me out with that um, we are now going to have just a quick look at sort of of season bets and I think that is a good chat even if you're not of a, a betting man as such or, or a woman I mean we might have some female listeners I'm, I'm guessing that number is small but God bless you if you're out there uh, and, and helping make the resort less of a sausage fest. You are thoroughly appreciated. Uh, but yeah, uh, even if you're not massively into betting, it's just it's basically the same as we were doing before, right? It's looking into the season, trying to project what's going to happen. And, uh, and I think that's just a fun thing to be doing a couple of t- days before the season starts. We're in that sort of wonderful phase where none of your predictions have turned out to be stupid just yet. Though, of course, a, a lot of them will. Uh, historically speaking, that's what happens. But uh, you know. uh, now, now, since we have a bit of a multi, multinational listenership at this point, when it comes to betting and odds, I, I my brain works in the decimal format. I've, I've been in the UK for a while. I can't quite get used to fractional. I absolutely cannot get used to what on earth you're doing over in America with your odds format. That, that seems very strange to me. The decimal format, it is the simplest format because it's just, just imagine you have a, a pound or, or 10 if you want and you multiply it by the by the price and that's why it ret- it's so simple. It's gloriously simple. Uh, so that is a good uh, format to work in, and it is also the only format that my brain fully understands. So that is uh, what we're going to do. And there are a couple of things. God, since I took my, I took note, I made the notes for this pod yesterday, and I'm recording it now today on Thursday. And in, in, all, in that period, a couple of things have dropped. <laughs> so there's like one bet I found I really like that's actually the odds have dropped significantly overnight. It's not as good anymore, but we'll go through a couple of things. I want to start by just throwing out a couple of things because it is interesting. I, I don't know where you guys stand on XG, on the old expected goals. Uh, you know, it's, a lot of smart people put a lot of stock in it. And by when I say smart people, I mean people who actually, you know, do this for a living rather than people who just have opinions about it. You know, clubs care about XG. Betting companies care about XG. There is a sort of industry-wide acknowledgement that this is a good way of measuring. As long as you have a good sample size, at least, it's a good way of measuring whether a team is doing well or not. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I put both Newcastle and Brighton lower than some in my sort of season predictions. I think there are circumstances that the fact they have to play in Europe uh, that, that, that leads me to think that they will regress a little bit. I had Newcastle in sixth. I have Brighton all the way down in ninth. But, like I said, smart people take XG very seriously. So I did just want to throw out there that, I mean, Newcastle's XG goal difference last season, they were second. They were second best in the league because Arsenal dipped so badly in the second half of the season, right? And, and Brighton were all the way up in fourth on the XG. So, you know, I know they both have Europe, which is why I think they might fall back. But if you are a believer in the numbers, if you, if you, if you pray at the altar of expected goals, and a lot of smart people do, uh, and you think my predictions might be wrong because uh, I'm full of bias and, and, and things, uh, you know, Newcastle are 250 to finish in the top four. Brighton are 265 to finish in the top six. I, you know, I'm not interested in, in, in those prices personally. But 
you know, if, if the XG suggests that they were really, really good last season and neither team, I mean, I was about to say neither team has gotten worse over the summer. That is not true in the case of Brighton. They have lost some big players, but we also know with Brighton that they're, uh, they are the geniuses in the transfer markets. They brought in some fun players as well. So, you know, I don't really like it, but again, just wanted to mention it. Just on, on the basis of XG, there's going to be some XG season bets for the XG heads out there. Uh, for the title, more back on, on course here. For the title, listen, I like Manchester City to win it, as you know. They're 175 with bets on to, to win the title. Now, that is a little bit too short for me uh, to, to get on. Maybe what might happen is that I can... and to, I mean, see, the fixture list isn't very hard uh, in the beginning, but maybe let's say they drop a few points in the first couple of months. And let's say one or more of the other teams look a little bit good. So possibly that price starts creeping up a little bit. Like that, 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 Then it might be, get interesting, but... At 175, I'm staying clear on that. And and that, that brings us to Arsenal, who are six. And and that is higher than I was expecting, I have to say. And you, you remember how surprised our friend Peter was when he heard that, that they're six to win the league. It's a bit longer than maybe... I mean, I know that they have strengthened. City have had a couple of departures. I do think City are a better team, but, but are they that much better? I mean, Liverpool are nine. I'm too worried about their defense. I'm too uncertain about their defense. Too many question marks for their for me for that to be interesting but six for arsenal i think is a little bit on the high side so if you are if you're not as convinced by manchester city as i am and i'm very convinced by them then you know that's a that's a price maybe worth backing for arsenal because i do feel quite strongly that arsenal should be the second best team in this league um too much defensive uncertainty at, at, at liverpool for me Liverpool, I'm expecting they could well have the second best attack in the league, but I'm not confident about what happening what's happening down the other end. United, I guess you need Hoyland to have just a breakout massive monster season uh, for for that to be possible. But there's a kind of other stuff I don't love about the Manchester United squad. I, I'd be very surprised if they got close. So that six uh, price on Arsenal. You know, my hypothesis is that City are basically unstoppable. But if you do disagree with that for, for whatever reason, uh, I think that's 6 point uh, zero as a price on Arsenal winning the title is worth a look, is worth a very serious look. Now, for those of us who have kind of come to accept that, at least for now, it is very much City and Guardiola's world and we're all living in it. Uh, bets on our offering price of three on Arsenal to finish top two and that, that, that I like that I like a lot because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Arsenal are the second best team in this league and and I think three is a decent decent price for that and that also covers you if something weird happens and City stumble and Arsenal were to win it which I'm not convinced they will but yeah so, so, so Arsenal to be in the top two at a price of three, I think is 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 actually worth uh, worth uh, a punt ahead of this uh, season for me. If you're looking at the top four, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, United are the favourites. None at a price that are worth backing, in my opinion. So if you look next up, if you think there'll be a surprise there, you know Chelsea, Newcastle, Tottenham, and Brighton. Like I said earlier, if you believe in XG and the magic of of high performance, Eddie Howe. Who's, who's managing in Europe for the first time this season? He, he, that they'll they'll deal well with that, and Newcastle will keep being very very good. Maybe two fifty on Newcastle to make the top four is of interest to you. I would have wanted that a little bit higher for for for, for me to get involved. Uh, but, but we can drop down further to look at the top six market. And here you have City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Newcastle being the very very clear favourites. If you do share my suspicion that Newcastle might regress. 
I mean, I have put them on in sixth place in my table, so I think they will make the top six, but I think it could be closer between Newcastle, Villa, and possibly Spurs than the odds would suggest. That's my feeling here, because like 150 on Newcastle making the top six, 210 on Tottenham doing it, and 375 on Aston Villa. Now, I did put Villa all the way down in eighth, but I can completely see a world in which, let's say Newcastle struggle a bit with having to play in Europe, and, uh, and, and and let's say Tottenham are a bit too inconsistent to really, you know, really get up there. Chelsea maybe take a while to get going uh, under Pochettino. Maybe Todd Bowley freaks out and fires him for, for no reason, because I guess that's how he rolls. You know, I, I think the best version of Aston Villa is not as good, in my mind, as the best version of, of those clubs. But I do think Villa has a pretty high floor this season. I'd be surprised to see them sort of collapse and drop off entirely. They seem very settled. I like their squad. Una Emery, he, he does the Una Emery things. Being in the Europa Conference League is not an advantage with regards to their league performance, though I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. Maybe that's a pick we could we could get involved with. But, uh, but Villa as a 375 outsider pick, almost quadruple your stake for Villa to sneak into the top six because teams above them, uh, you know, mess up, fall over, shoot themselves in the foot. I don't hate that. I think that's an interesting one. It would have been nice to see it a tiny bit higher. I mean, I guess that goes for every price when you're looking at the odds uh, market. But, you know, almost yeah, close to four for Villa to kind of sneak in there with the top six plot. I think that's one that's one worth, uh, worth considering going into the season, at least. There's another Arsenal thing. And this is just boring as dirt. But but bets on are offering a price on Arsenal to be the best London team at 150. Now listen, a season bet at a price of 150 is very boring. Uh, put a tenner on, you get 15 back in May. Yay! But I mean, if we're being serious, do we see Chelsea, Tottenham, or West Ham finishing above Arsenal this season? I absolutely do not see that. And I'm kind of I'm higher on Chelsea than most people. I think Spurs have a. Well, Spurs, as, as you know, my thoughts, they're chaotic, but there's a big potential upside there. But are they finishing above Arsenal? No, I don't th- think that at all. So what I tend to do this time of year go- going into the season, what I'm going to do tomorrow afternoon, is kind of give myself a budget, you know, pick, pick a number of, uh, pick a sum of money that I'm completely happy to, to wave goodbye to and, 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 and commit to a few sort of season bets. And, and, and I mean, I reiterate, only ever gamble with money that you're totally comfortable and relaxed about losing. That's a very important principle. Now, I might put some of that on Arsenal to be the top London club. It, even it's a boring, boring bet, but that feels very, very safe. And it does return a little bit at the, at, at 150. Uh, but yeah, boring, but I, I like it still. Uh, if you want to back City to win the league, because they probably will... I would kind of suggest maybe ignoring the 175 on City to win the title and instead take City to win the title and Erling Haaland to be top scorer as a combo, uh, which bets on our offering at 225, which is quite a lot better than 175. And I do think that for City to... I mean, if City don't win the league, the only... I mean, likely that is because something weird's happened to Mr. Haaland, uh, perhaps an injury, God forbid, or something like this. I don't really see... a season where City play well and things work out where Holland doesn't end up being the top scorer if you look around the other very very good teams I mean Arsenal that's one of perhaps Arsenal's weaknesses they don't have an obvious number nine uh, uh, super goal scorer up front maybe Salah Kane if he stays and Tottenham really catch fire but no I I think that combo City to win and Holland to be top scorer at 225 that, that's something you could throw in there again not a super exciting price but, uh, but I don't hate it 
I do have some other top scorer thoughts, but we're heading. We're going to head into the wacky zone that, uh, that that we came up with yesterday. It's a great concept. That it was just a shame I hadn't given. I hadn't really given Peter fair warning. It's it's hard to think of stuff for the wacky zone uh, off the top of your head, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna engage the wacky zone here. And remember, there's no judgment in the wacky zone. When we're in the wacky zone, then then uh, it's just it's just wacky. But but first. Let's do relegation, because I have some thoughts here. I, I really do. I've made my big swing on, on Luton staying up, as you know. I, I don't think a lot of people believe that. Um, so Luton to stay up at 325. Since I've been pretty very vocal about how I think they might be able to do it, I feel like I'm kind of obligated to, to take that. 325 is not an amazing price, but basically, I think there are like eight teams you could, in the league that you could you could make a strong case for them having a good chance of, of going down. There's a huge sort of mass of teams down there that where, where where potentially things could go wrong. I think it's actually quite open in that end of the table. And that being the case, kind of makes sense just to have a have a slight flutter on the team that has the highest price. In this case, being Luton, there's no rational reason. If you look at strength of squad, resources, all these sort of things that we look at, of course, Luton should have no chance. But as we've spoken about, the relegation battle is not always rational. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe a slight punt on Luton to stay up just because I've talked about it so much. Uh, but there are so many teams that could struggle, and which kind of brings me to Fulham, right? Fulham finished 10th. But they actually had one of the worst defenses in the league last season. According to Understat, they had the highest XG against in the league. Now, according to FBRF, they had the fifth highest XG against. So XG models vary on this particular uh, subject. So the XG models clearly differ here a little bit. But if we go with the FBRF numbers, even if we do that, that still just puts them on par with Bournemouth and Leicester and Forest. So clearly they were not good at the back Fulham, even though they finished 10th. Now you have the uncertainty over Mitrovic, really wants to leave the club, interest from Saudi Arabia, one foot out the door. Palinha, super important in midfield, starts the season injured. The Saudis tried to throw a lot of money at Marco Silva. How committed to the cause is he now? Uh, with, with all this sort of stuff going on, listen, I put them 13th in my prediction. Maybe that was too high. Thinking about it now, it, it could have been a bit too high. And you can certainly make the case that Fulham are at least in a slightly dangerous spot. And if we have like... Let's say we have eight teams that could all be in relegation trouble. Again, it makes looks it makes sense to look at the ones that have the highest price. Fulham are five to get relegated. A tenor will return fifty. Uh, five to get relegated with bets on. I'm not entirely disinterested. I have to say in that. Uh, I might take a small stake in that in my sort of season out of the season bet budget. Just a just a sneaky one. Because, again, when we're talking about betting, it's not just about whether you think something will happen. It's about how likely you think it is versus what the price is. And I think five for Fulham to get relegated, I'm not entirely disinterested in that. Uh, but more seriously, Wolves. I mean, and, and the shame of it is, since Monday, that price has come down big. When I wrote my season preview piece for the Betson website, I think Wolves were 475 to get relegated. That has come all the way down to 325 because Lopetegui's gone, uh, which is a shame, of course. It's, a, it's obviously not as attractive a price. And if you had read my season preview piece on the Betson website where I put Wolves in 19th and you then went straight out and backed them to go down, you would have gotten 475, which now looks like a very good price. Uh, but still not... <laughs> I, I'm still not uninterested here. Uh, Gary O'Neill did well to keep Bournemouth off, but he's pretty inexperienced. Where are the goals coming from in this team? They don't seem to be signing anyone. They've been even worse than their league finish would suggest for the last two seasons. They've even weakened the squad over the summer. 
even at 325, I think Wolves to go down is, is something that's going to be on my list here of things I'm, I'm taking a slight stake in. Also, you know, Luton are massive favorites to finish dead last. They're 250 to do that. And when I was doing my notes for this yesterday, Sheffield United were four with bets on. And I loved that price. You know, Sheffield United four to finish dead last with Ndiaye going, with Sandabaga going, with my theory that Luton might not be totally disastrous. Sheffield United looks like the very obvious next candidate, but that has now dropped to three. That is a huge drop. Really uh, frustrating <laughs> for me. <laughs> Should have recorded this yesterday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's down to three. Burnley is at 10 to finish dead last. Bournemouth at 11. Fulham and Forest and Wolves are all 12. I still like the Blades for this. Team doesn't look good on paper. Lost their top scorer. Sanderberg gone. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, three on Sheffield United finishing dead last. I think it's still worth a punt, even though, yeah, that was much more attractive yesterday when it was four, obviously. Now, one um, one individual bet I'm kind of interested in. So I earlier in the summer, I was going to do an episode of the pod that was just to look at some interesting individual stats from last season. I did a lot of research on it, never got around to recording it, and now it just kind of feels outdated. But one thing I noticed last season, Bruno Fernandes quietly had a really good season. Like, he had the highest expected assists in the league, so he was the individual player who created the most good chances. It's just United's attackers get missing them. Uh, and he also played the highest number of key passes, which I believe is passes leading to a shot on goal or, or some such. He was fourth in the league for passes into the penalty area. He played the most through balls in the league. Uh, he was second behind Kevin De Bruyne in shot-creating actions per 90, as, the, as it goes. So, so Bruno Fernandes had just an absolutely elite season as the creator for Manchester United. Ended up with just eight assists. United might have a better striker in Highland now. They, they might be playing a little bit better overall, I'm kind of expecting. And Bruno Fernandes is 10 to have the most assists in the Premier League this season. 10. Uh, Pound will return you a tenner. Now, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously a huge favorite in this category at just 275, and that's, that's fully justified. But Kevin De Bruyne is 32. I'm thinking they might have to start managing his minutes a little bit. Uh, in terms of how much he plays, and uh, I suspect he might end up getting rotated a little bit. Of course, the other exciting option in this category is Trent Alexander-Arnold, now most likely playing more centrally, at least in possession. Does that mean, I mean, it could mean he'll play more through balls and stuff like that, but I also wonder, does that will he play as many crosses as before? So I'm not sure how that's going to actually affect his assist count uh, uh, directly. So I do think Bruno Fernandes, top assister, just on the basis of last season's numbers, and the fact that KDB is 32 now might get rotated a bit. At 10, that looks like a huge price to me. A very, very small stake, of course. This is, these are long shots we're talking about. But that's that one, that's one that I think is worth picking up. The top scorer market is incredibly frustrating this season. Uh, OG listeners from the Norwegian pod, they'll remember that I, I landed Jamie Vardy as top scorer at a very good price a couple of years ago. I also had a combo of Argentina to win the World Cup and Mbappe to be top scorer uh, land at the World Cup. So uh, it's a market where I've had some joy in the past, but it's just very hard to look away from from the, the combine harvester of doom, uh, Arling Haaland at, uh, at 170. But, but that's also just a price... Can you ever feel happy backing a Premier League top scorer at 170? You know, I know he's amazing, but that seems very short to back any kind of top scorer in this league. It just feels wrong. Less than evens, you know, it's not. But also backing someone, you know, if, if backing him at that price feels wrong, 
backing anyone not named Holland in this category feels insane. So we're just kind of stuck. And I guess we then enter the wacky zone, right? If we're looking at scenarios where it might not be Erling Holland and again, knock on wood, we're hoping this doesn't happen, but maybe he has an injury or, or something happens. Um, uh, if he stutters for some reason, I have no faith at all that that'll happen. But let's just, for, to, to, for the purpose of the conversation, let's pretend something happens and Erling Holland isn't the top scorer of the season. And let's imagine Harry Kane leaves, which, I mean, we're still waiting on, on news there, but he might. But if those two things happen, suddenly this field is very open. Now, those are very big ifs, but uh, there are a couple of, like, completely off-the-wall long shots <laughs> that I think you can build a case for. And, I mean, the short version is, if those two leaves, then you look at Mo Salah as the most likely, right? Let's, let's just be clear. But if we're deep into the wacky zone, and remember, there's no judgment in the wacky zone... I, you could convince me that someone like Alexander Isak for Newcastle could have like a massive, you know, 25 goal something season. I think he has all the tools to be a really sort of elite striker. Uh, rotation with Wilson can be an issue, but Wilson's getting older. He usually gets injured a lot. So um, if bearing in mind that we're now fully in the wacky zone. Uh, there are no stats to back this up. It's just I, I'm convinced that there's a absolutely sort of elite striker in Alexander Isak who could have a breakthrough breakthrough season. And if Holland is reduced somehow, and then there's no Kane, yes, Mo Salah becomes the standout favorite, but behind him it's all a bit of a much of a muchness, I think. And that makes Alexander Isak at odds of 35 a very rogue shout that I think is kind of, I'd like to mention it. In the same range, I mean, Bukayo Saka at, at 40... Arsenal, great team, but without a great striker. Gabriel Jesus is injured. Might have Havertz as false nine for a while. Maybe Nketiah plays. Saka, of course, has an eye for goal. Uh, takes penalties at 40. Like, I'm not... Again, I don't think this will happen. But, you know, if we're, if we're playing around in the wacky zone, it's, it's worth mentioning. If we're going to try to take that thought and move back into a rational world here for a second, Saka to be Arsenal's top scorer ahead of Gabriel Jesus is on at uh, four with Betson. Betson are offering you four times your stake for Saka to be Arsenal's top scorer. That, I think, is interesting. That That's one I like a lot. Arsenal, you know, they spread the goals around. Not an obvious number nine there. Saka takes penalties, or he has been taking penalties. Possibility that that changes, but we'll see. I, I think four is a big number for that, honestly. Um and then there is this more sane version of the Isaac shout. I'm saying it out loud, like I was doing my notes, I thought that would be a fun thing to mention, but now that I've said it out loud, it sounds silly. I'm half considering editing it out just because people will mis misunderstand the purpose of the wacky zone. Uh, but uh, the more sensible thing is, Betson are offering odds on Isak to score more than 11 goals at uh, at Newcastle this season. Uh, it's just 175. Again, it's not an exciting price, but uh, I, I'm pretty confident we'll get uh, Isak into the teens, at least for goals uh, this season. I absolutely adore him as a player. Now... <sighs> Having already committed too hard to the wacky zone, I'm hesitant to even say this next thing uh, in case, again, there'll be pe people will be atting me on Twitter because they don't know what the wacky zone means. But if you're going to go full nut job, just totally nuts, and again, we're assuming Holland, for some reason, can't do Holland things, and let's say Kane leaves, well, that would leave uh, Brazil international striker Richarlison <laughs> as the first choice striker for a very attack-minded Tottenham. Like, Richarlison for top scorer, it is an insane shout. 
and uh, it's more likely that they sign someone else or that Richarlison just continues to not score goals. But if we're being totally rational, rationality in the wacky zone, there is a chance uh, in, a, uh, in a couple of weeks when the transfer window closes, we could be in a situation where uh, Brazil international striker Richarlison is the clear first choice striker for a very attack-minded, you know, presumptively top-half team. And in that situation, he should not be a hundred to be top scorer, that, and he won't be. Like that price is going to come down like a like a ton of bricks uh, if if this happens. You know, Ollie Watkins is twenty five, right? And that that would be more a rational comparison for someone who's a first choice striker for an attack minded team, uh, which Tottenham will be. So that number of a hundred on Richarlison being top scorer might look like a big number in a couple of weeks. But of course, I should stress. I do not actually think Richarlison will be top scorer, not in this year or any other year. Uh, I don't think that, but I just thought that was a fun little thought exercise since we are in the wacky zone. Um, and, and lastly, I think before we leave the wacky zone, it's gotten too wacky. Uh, if City were to not win the league, right? If something weird happens and City don't win the league, we think it'll be Arsenal. Or yes, I think it'll be Arsenal. And it's fair to assume... If City don't win the league, there might be some issue with Holland. You know, there might maybe he's gotten injured or something's gone wrong. You could then go in a completely different direction and have a, a double with bets on of Arsenal to win the league and Mo Salah to be top scorer. That's on at sixty-five. Now that's wacky, but there's a kind of logic there, right? If we're assuming something goes badly wrong with City and they don't win the league and Holland's not top scorer, who's the most likely team to be to, to take advantage of that? I think it's Arsenal. And then Mo Salah or Kane, but again, Kane could leave. And you add Mo Salah to that, you get a price of 65 with bets on. Very, very wacky stuff, but maybe worth maybe worth like one pound or something, just just in case. I, I enjoy those long, long shots uh, because it's really fun to, to when they come off and you make sure the stakes are so small, it really doesn't matter if they don't. Um, but let's claw it back now. This has gotten too wacky. Those were some wacky, wacky minutes. Um so some slightly more sensible things. Betson are offering a price of 186 on Karumi Toma to score more than six goals. He scored seven last season. I think he looks great. Uh, I, I think he can do it again. So that's a slightly boring one, but you could put that on the list. One I like a lot again is Bukayo Saka to score over 12. That's on at 186. So again, the price isn't crazy, but this is a guy who scored 14 last season. He's a year older. I don't think Bukayo Saka has gotten any worse since last season. I think he'll go over 12. That's going to be on my list here. And lastly, Mo Salah to be Liverpool's top scorer at 250. He was so good towards the end of last season. He he was back to just scoring all the time. Darwin Nunez, you know, we haven't mentioned him, but he's another one who, like, there is a world in which he suddenly gets it together. But he is very chaotic. And then the opposition is Cody Gakpo, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota. Diogo Jota at nine. I don't hate it if he stays fit and plays every all the time, but the rotation is an issue there. I do think Mo Salah. Listen, he's gotten a little bit older, but the last sort of period of last season, I thought he looked magnificent again. So two fifty on him to be Liverpool's top scorer, I think, is worth uh, grabbing. All right, I think I think we'll end it there. That 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 was a fun little thing. I enjoy doing this and uh, having these little little theories uh, before the season starts and they all end up looking stupid. I, I, I enjoy that a lot, but I think some of these are very decent bets and uh, I'm going to put on uh, some of these uh, tomorrow. How do you guys feel about the season starting already? I mean, it feels a little bit sudden to me that I've been a little bit busy and had things on my mind this summer, but it feels very, very sudden. What I should say lastly, um, 
because we've spoken about betting stuff all this episode and because I often reference betting stuff on here, I do want to reiterate again, like I said, like putting money on football, it's just something you do for a little bit of fun to enhance your enjoyment of, of watching the sport. You should only ever gamble with money that you're more than happy to lose. Like if you, that, that is the approach you should have to it. You should be very wary of like people on social media who present this as almost like an investment thing, you know, so, so subscribe to my tips and, and you will make a certain present. Like, this is all nonsense. Scammers, a lot of them, just to stay away from that. And, and it's just a bit of fun. If, if you're upset, if you're down, if you're having a bad time, do not uh, look to betting as something that will make you feel better. That is the worst possible idea. Um, and, and one trick that I think is quite important because you might not think of yourself as having a problem or an issue with gambling, but do kind of keep an eye on the history of, of your account, like the balance ins and outs of, of how much is coming in and how much is being taken out. Because that number can creep up without you paying attention. Because it's easy, if you lose, you just forget about that. And the next time you want to put a bet on something, you just put more money in. Over time, you know, it's worth knowing what that number is on your account and be totally sure that this is a you know, likelihood is that you've lost money because most people do. Make sure that's the number you're comfortable with. Just go to the balance thing on your account and make sure you're comfortable with the number in there and then take a break if you're not because uh, that number might not be what you think it is. And and I think it's really important if you do feel like you have an issue that you talk to someone, right? There there are support lines. If you're not happy calling those, just talk to a friend or something. Like, it really doesn't matter, but just make one first step in some kind of direction towards improving and, and getting help because that first step is always going to be the hardest one and but there is lots of help to be had in various forms i hope you seek that out if you feel like that applies to you okay not the sort of most joyous and wild place to end the pod but i do think that stuff is really really important and uh, so, so it needs to be said uh thanks for listening everyone hope you enjoy the opening weekend of the season hope we'll we'll, we'll meet again i think in the resort the resort continues cannot be stopped. All right. Bye.